man. You can have a seat. to rest at home, all right? Who loves a good Christmas carol rendition, you know? I do. I love all of them. My family, not as much, so we can usually just settle on the Muppets version pretty much every year, but, uh, which is a great version, by the way, um, a little less uh, serious, but still gets the point across. And, and the reason I wanted to show that to you is, is, is coming face-to-face with your grave. It's, it's a serious thing, isn't it? And, and our, our, the preacher from Ecclesiastes is going to give us a few categories of life that we try to find satisfaction in and yet fail. And the main reason is because we got here. There it is. Okay. Elaine made this for me. That's why it's not that heavy. And she said, you want me to put RIP? I'm like, I don't even know what that is. How about you just write dead? Because that's all. Um, and, 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 and you come face to it. And so he says, that, that's the reason these things, though, they might have their momentary uh, use. We all end up here. And so it's all fleeting. It's what we called last week, what he calls hebel, right? And so um, we want to, even though it's not always what we want to do, is to, to face the fact that this happens to everyone. And yes, Scrooge was, was, was changed somewhat in his life, but in the end, he still had a gravestone. Maybe more people went to it. That's about it. And so what, how, how does that really change us and how we look at our lives and what satisfies us? Let's pray. Lord, I, I want to thank you for uh, this opportunity to look at and that we have a church that, that actually wants to look at some of the harder books in your scripture that, that, that sometimes are harder to understand, harder to understand why we have them, and yet there they are for our benefit and our blessing. And so, Lord, I pray that you would, and I, and I already anticipate that through your spirit, you'd open our hearts and minds, those here, those online who are watching with us today. Um, God, just that, that you will do a work in us um, that only you know what we need. I certainly don't. So use me as a vessel. I thank you for the opportunity to already have praised you through song, prayer, fellowship, and Lord, I pray that your word would not return void this morning. It's in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. 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 So um, we've been in Ecclesiastes. I concur with Darren. Not that Bob was here. I mean, given those old age jokes, I would never do that to Bob, all right? Um, But also church history, and I'll I'll, uh, just... um, 
just say, I know sometimes you're like, church history, what do we need? There's probably no classes, and I had to take three in seminary, they weren't just a four-week thing, um, that profoundly affected me as far as understanding where the church is at today and why. Like, it just, it's so helpful. So it's not just if you're a history buff. It can really help you in your faith. So really want to plug that as well. Um, I think Bob was only there from the Reformation on. So let's not be, okay. Um, and, and so uh, 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 we, we, we've started this, this Ecclesiastes series, and, and so we've, we've kind of divided this into four sections. And, um, and, and last week and this week, we're in section one, which is the first two chapters. And, and we have this, 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 in English, it's called the preacher, which is Koheleth in Hebrew. And he, he's the, the gatherer or the assembler to, to, to give these words to Israel, right? And, and, and some would call him preacher, some would call him Solomon. And, I, and so I'll usually call him all those different things depending on the, the, the context. Um, and and, he, and we, we really looked, at, for the most part last week, if you were with us, the first 11 verses of chapter 1. So we won't go back there, but there's a few terms that we see over and over and over again. And if you don't understand what he means by these terms, it's really going to be hard to understand why Ecclesiastes is even in our, our Bibles. So a different verse that I didn't give you last week is verse 14 of chapter 1. You see a lot of these terms here again, right? The preacher says this, I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. And so you have to understand, first of all, you see a lot, under the sun, like what does that mean? It means your life here, like, like I don't know, what, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, somebody working on 100, good for you, right? That, that's your under the sun, that's this life, nothing else, right? So he says, well, all this stuff we're doing, this is under the sun life. And he says, it's all uh, vanity. And if you have the NIV, it might say, you know, meaningless or empty, and we talked a lot about that Hebrew word, hebel, hebel. So when I say hebel, if you remember, we had the, the mist machine, right, last week? Boy, I should have brought that back, a gravestone and some mist. That would have been creepy and awesome. But, hey, I didn't think of it. So, but remember that. That is hebel. It's, it's not just meaningless. It has a meaning. It has a purpose. But it's here and it's gone. That's life, right? It's, it's fleeting. It's always changing. And you can't grasp it. You can't control it. And so fourthly, it's puzzling. It's like a fog. This life is so short and ever-changing and impossible to control that it's often like, what is going on? It's hebel. Not meaningless, but hebel. And so he's saying to, to, to try to make meaning and, 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 and satisfaction in these things we do under the sun, it's, it's like chasing after the wind. Good luck with that, right? And so he's going to come up with these, these categories um, is Solomon in, in these categories that, that I think are just as true today. That we say, if I could just get that. One of the categories is knowledge and wisdom. Like, and, and, and what's beautiful about Solomon as being our speaker here is that, that I I'm just guessing you don't have more wisdom and knowledge than him. Uh, unless you have people coming from all over the world just to hear you speak about life. You got that? Well, I have a podcast and a YouTube channel. Well, Okay. But Solomon had people traveling for miles. Like, I can barely get some of you from Douglas, right? So, it, it, you know, he, he, second category, pleasure. Pleasure, it's a big one. And it's like, I, I don't, you might have some pleasure in your life. <laughs> you don't reach Solomon's heights for pleasure, right? And then achievement, money. Achievement, money. Like, I, maybe you've achieved some things and made some cash in your life, but I'm, I, you're probably not on purpose throwing gold away, Right? Without Solomon. 
And so he's the perfect example. If you're just like, if I just get that, he's like, no, 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 I've gotten that. It's Hebel. It's not going to satisfy your soul. And so the first uh, category is that wisdom and, and knowledge. We're going to skip around. I'm not going to give you all of these verses. It's mainly chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, a little uh, as we've already been in and continue here um, in chapter 1. This is, he says, I said in my heart I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. Right? So he's, he's got it all. Okay, is he satisfied? Well, I'm going to skip ahead to verse 18. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. <laughs> Great. In other words, you may as well just be stupid and ignorant and not think anything about life because you're just going to get sadder and sadder. The more wisdom and knowledge you have in this Hebel life, the more you realize you do not know. The more questions you have that you can't answer, and it can fill you with sorrow if you're not careful. Now, is uh, the preacher, is Solomon saying then wisdom is bad or don't, no point to it? No. He never says that. In fact, this is what he says, and this is, I'm skipping ahead in, in um, chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. So in this under the sun life, you want to have wisdom and knowledge. The fool is a moron. He's going to burn his life to the ground. You don't want that. The Bible always concurs with that, right? But he says this, and yet I perceived that the same event happens to all of them. Which event do you think he's talking about? Hint, hint. Oh, there you go. Right? The same event happens to all of them. He says, then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool happened to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? What's been the point of it all? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. It is fleeting. It is hebel. For of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all have been long forgotten. How the wise dies, that rhymes, I love that. How the wise dies just like the fool. <laughs> yes, it's better to have wisdom and knowledge. You're going to have a better 70, 80, 90 years, whatever it is. But in the end, you're going to be, you're going to have a headstone, and the fool's going to be laying next to you, and you're going to be like, if this is all there is, if this is a satisfaction, well, what's the point? What's the point? And so the first category is trying to search for satisfaction through wisdom and knowledge. It's chasing after the wind. If you, if you try to make your degrees, your knowledge, your ability to answer all the Jeopardy questions, right, Aren't you, like, if that's, I'm not saying it's bad. He's not saying it's bad. It's just saying, if that's what you're going to do, I'm going to accrue all this knowledge, all this wisdom in this Hebel life, don't bother. It's not going to satisfy you, right? Um, even as a pastor, I enjoy studying about God, theology, the word, and trying to give that to you. I think there's a lot of purpose in that. But if that is my satisfaction, this, it'll be Hebel. There will be someone up here in this church, and there will be a few of you that have a lot of gray hairs or no hair saying, remember Pastor Jamie, and then, and then eventually you're going to be gone, and I'll be forgotten. And it doesn't mean it was meaningless. It just means it's not lasting. I'm not lasting. The knowledge and wisdom I have is not lasting. And so if that's what I'm going to let drive me to satisfaction, I am going to have sorrow. It's not going to do it. In the end, this is coming. This is coming. It, it honestly drives me crazy. It's a weird pet peeve. But how much our culture, unlike any before us, 
so tries to avoid this. You ever notice that? Like, I'm going to take the right supplement. I'm going to breathe only organic air. Whatever that is. Some of you are like, I can sell that organic air. You probably could, right? So I'm going to buy it, right? Because we want to, and I'm not saying it's not good to be a good steward, right? But you all know that person who's a health nut, and they still got that terrible disease. And I got people in my life, I'm like, they, they, all they did was drink themselves like a fish. They ate terrible food, and they're 95, and they're still stumbling around, right? I'm not saying, I'm just saying that doesn't seem fair because it's hebel. God wants you to be a good steward, but it's coming. And we have to face it. As a, um, as a pastor, I just don't have the luxury of not coming face-to-face with this all the time. Before I was the lead pastor, I could count on one hand. You wouldn't even need all my fingers of how many funerals I'd been to. Now, <laughs> I've lost count. And we're talking all over the map. I've had church services where I think my record is 99 years old. I've done a couple of those. Come on, some of you, one of you has to make it to 100. I'm rooting for you, all right? Dick Corey in the nine. He's 85 today. The guy is as, as spry as me. So I'm like, 15 years, Dick, come on, come on. But 99, I've, I've, we, we, we've seen babies. We've seen seven-year-olds, we, right? Like, I remember being in my office. Um, I don't know why this sticks out because it's a really sad memory. But this 30-year-old woman who I didn't know, she wasn't part of our church, she had died. And her husband was over here in my office. And over here was her family from New York. And you could tell based on their subtle words they blamed the husband. And I'm sitting there with this. It's like, that was my biggest fear as a pastor. Like, I don't want those rooms. I don't want those places. And yet, it has been a gift from God. Because I'm constantly face-to-face with the understanding that I'm all too quickly going to have one myself. And everyone I love. And instead of trying to pretend it doesn't exist, face it. And what does that mean? What does it mean? He says, man, if you're just going to be all about uh, gaining wisdom and knowledge and understanding, whether it's in engineering or whether it's in medicine or whether it's in law or business or parenting or, or marriage or whatever it is, if that's your point of your life, it's coming for you all too quickly. I know it's hard, but it's true. The second category that he, he brings uh, out is something I think a lot of us try to pursue behind religious language, and that is satisfaction in pleasure. Pleasure. And he's going to use this word pleasure, and a lot of people say, oh, he's hedonistic. He's talking about sinful pleasure. And it encapsulates it all. Like, pleasure can be good, and, and the preacher says you should enjoy it, right? But pleasure is, is could be, like, like, if you've ever had that meal, like, man, you and your husband or your wife or your best friend, and you sat and lingered for hours. I'm not talking about, you know, Taco Bell, all right? And hey, Taco Bell's fine. I'm, just, I'm talking about it was like the, the kind of like a glass of wine you couldn't even, well, we're a Baptist church, a glass of really sugary Coke that you couldn't even afford, right? Uh, the cut of meat, they're like, man, I shouldn't be buying this, right? But, but there you are, and you're eating it, and you're laughing until you cry, right? That is pleasure, and it is a good gift from God. Enjoy it. I hope for many of those, right? But it also can be the kind of pleasure because Solomon pursued it. So he got to the point where he was sinning and, and, and worshiping idols because that's the end of that road. Because you can have you know, pleasure in going to a party and getting smashed in the moment. In the next day or two, you're not going to be very in pleasure, 
right? Or, or, the, or gratifying whatever lust that you want. That's what, right? Like you can have all kinds of good and sinful pleasures. He's just saying whatever you're trying to make your life about, it's not going to work. I've done it. Solomon was the king of pleasure. Look at uh, what he says. I'm backtracking in Ecclesiastes 2, verse 1. I said in my heart, come now. I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was empty, vanity, hebel, fleeting. Right? He, 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 he then goes on to talk about a lot of different things, which we'll have in a, in a few minutes. I'll show you in a few minutes. But, but I want to skip ahead to the conclusion of it. Verse 10. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. Like, I don't know about you, but that's not me. I might see a sports car drive by, like, ooh, but I can't afford that. He could afford 50 of them, like one of those, right? I could have it. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. I love this. That I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Searching for satisfaction through pleasure. The beautiful thing about Solomon is he did it all. He had it all. There's nothing that if he wanted, he could have it. He had parties for months on end. That sounds exhausting to me, like a few hours and I'm done. So, but man, he had, it all. He had, all, he had all the women he wanted. He had all the pleasures he wanted. He had, like, he was the king of pleasure, and he's the one saying, nope, didn't do it. Didn't do it. See, we, because our pitfall, you and I, because we're not Solomon, is that we think over the, over the, 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 the mountain range, you see that? I, if I get that. If I, if I get that new husband or wife, I'll be pleasurable. If I, if I have that sex, if I, if I get that amount of money, if I have that vacation, that weekend, that experience, I will be finally satisfied. I don't know why they've stopped doing this, probably because it's kind of silly, but when I was a kid, like every show or movie had a scene eventually where somebody got lost in a desert. I don't know where you find these deserts and why you end up in them, but they did. And they'd be wandering, and eventually, they're, they're, they're about to collapse, right? No more thirst. I mean, no, no more water. They're just, right? And, and then they come around the bend. You remember this, those of you at least my age? There's a gigantic body of water. Do you remember what that's called? A mirage. It ain't really there, right? It's just you think it's there. And you go towards it, and it's gone. It's hebel. What he's saying is, this is our always hunting for the next pleasurable thing that will satisfy my soul. It's a mirage. It doesn't exist. It won't happen. Enjoy the pleasures you have, but stop pursuing them as the gain or aim of your life. That's what he's saying. Satisfaction in pleasure isn't going to happen. You know, as I already mentioned, I don't, I love you too much to not tell you this, that I, be in prayer this week. Because I think, I think we, if you've been a Christian a while, you know you're not supposed to pursue money. You know you're just certain things. But because but, but, pleasure is good when it's not sinful, and you should enjoy it, so it's easy to, it's a sort of under the religious guise, right, is, is, is really make my life about finding more and more moments of pleasure. And just check yourself. Where's your checkbook going? Where's your heart? Where's your mind? Where's your actual intention? It isn't a bad thing to have pleasure, but if that's the aim of your life, it will be a mirage. And it takes a lot of prayer because God usually has to show it to us because we don't even know it ourselves. So the, the third and, and, and last category, I'm not going to give you all the verses. 
it's achievement and money. Nobody achieved like Solomon, right? He is like Jeff Bezos from Amazon or Bill Gates from Microsoft and, and, and then morph him into uh, the president of the United States and into whatever president you want it to be, all right? I don't want to get controversial, all right? Whatever one you like, like, like ri- uber rich, uber successful, uber power, all of it, that was Solomon. He's above them all, <laughs> right? He had achievements and riches beyond our wildest imagination, right? Beyond it. And he said in verse 20, So I turned about and I gave my heart up to despair. Some of you are like, I just tried. You've heard the stories of someone wins a lottery and they ruin their life. Are you like me and you're like, give me a shot. Just give me a shot. Right? Just give me a shot. I can do it. Right? But Solomon says, no, 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 no. No. I'm in despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Why? This, This makes me laugh. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity. It's Hebel and a great evil. It's like, I mean, he probably already was studying his kids. Because if you read your Bible, it didn't go well when Solomon died, did it? Kingdom got divided. Kids were just complete morons. They didn't know what to do. They could, Solomon had achieved it. He dies. It all goes to someone who has no idea what to do with it. You've probably um, heard the, 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 the saying that they are not going to hook up a U-Haul to your hearse. Pharaohs of Egypt thought that, right? They built great wonders of the world that some of you have been fortunate enough to go visit. Pyramids, right? You know what those are? Giant tombs. That's all they are. And they brought all their stuff with them. Bury it with me because I'm bringing it to the afterlife. Guess what ex- excavators and thieves before him found? A dead body with all that stuff still sitting there. Jesus said it will rot, it will rust, or it will be taken from you, or you'll just give it away. Whether it's achievements or money, it's not going to satisfy you. Searching for satisfaction through achievements and money. I think of a modern-day example, NFL owners. I don't know if you know much about how that works, most, uh, a lot of our NFL owners today, they own a team. It was their parents or grandparents who originally owned the team. And they were rich. You know, they had a few million bucks so they bought a team. But the NFL was still kind of like, I don't know, is this going to work out? And now, they just have it handed to them and their teams are worth two, three billion. And they don't know what to do with it. Most of them are kind of a train wreck. Not all of them, but they're just, because they never achieved it themselves. They don't have the wisdom or knowledge. They just kind of were like, oh, thanks, Dad. Wow, I can do anything I want, and it usually ends in disaster. Because, and, and so if you're that, that owner, you're like, I did all this work, and this guy gets my money, my kind of weirdo son, right? You are going to give it away, or somebody is going to out-achieve you, right? Again, I'm not saying, the preacher's not saying, don't climb high in business, don't, uh, don't make money if God gives it to you. He's just saying don't make that the satisfaction of your soul. It is Hebel. No matter how much you achieve in your career, guess what's going to eventually happen to you? You're going to walk out with a box, some personal items, a potted plant, and some leftover cake that they just had for you in the break room. That's it. doesn't mean it was meaningless or pointless. It just means someone's already got your job. Whatever the even little achievements, they're good, they're right, but someone's going to outachieve you. I think when I was in high school, uh, I loved playing uh, soccer in the fall and basketball in the winter, and my dad was so disappointed because my dad's a baseball guy. 
and he was so disappointed that I kind of wasn't really that great at baseball, and I kind of found it boring, so I didn't want to play baseball in high school, and my brother had played, and so uh, he's like, oh, you know, so by the time we got to my junior year, he, fi- he finally figured it out. He's like, all right, Jamie, you're going to play a spring sport, that was his mistake, uh, or you're going to get a job. I wasn't getting a job, so I went out for track and field. I didn't really care much about track and field, but there was this cute girl named Heather. She was already doing it, so I would get to see her after school. Um, She married me, so it worked out, but I didn't care too much about track and field, but I was fast. Now, I'm not still fast. None of you younger people try to challenge me. I still pull muscles looking at stairs, all right? So at this point. But I was fast back then. No one trained me. I didn't have a coach really. He was a coach, but he didn't really coach me. So I had no idea what I was doing. And I would just do the sprints, the 100 to 200. And I did pretty well just because I was fast. Well, one specific me, everything came together. And I don't even know what happened or how it happened. But man, I blew away the competition. I was like, that is awesome. It was a good feeling. The next day, in morning, homeroom. Those of you might, I don't know if they still do this, a loudspeaker that nobody listens to. I don't know. But they did that back then. And they were like, attention, blah, blah, blah. And they got announcements. And all of a sudden, I heard my name congratulations to Jamie Walton. And I was like, me? Certainly not because of my grades that they're congratulating me, I'll tell you that. And he goes, he broke the record for the 200 meter for our school. And everyone's like, wow. And to this day, I don't even think that's that true. Like, I don't even know how a coach would have known that. But I went with it. I was like, yeah, right. I'm walking through the halls. People were like, dude, didn't know you were that, but that's pretty awesome. I was like, yeah, it's awesome, right? So, so it was a great moment. It was a great achievement, I guess. But, but like, not even five years later, they rededicated the track. And I happened to see it. They had signs with all the different events and, and record holders. They even had the top five. And I wasn't even on it. It had been like five years, and five dudes already blasted through my record. Nobody knew my name. Nobody cared. It is gone, right? Even uh, just a few years ago, our basketball team went back and celebrated 25 years because we were really good. Halftime, they did a ceremony for us. We go out there, the crowd's like, Who's the, who are these dudes? We can, these old guys doing in the right? Like, we came to see the current team, not, not these old guys, right? And we were like, yeah, we're off, right? It's like the philosopher Bruce Springsteen once said, yeah, they'll pass you by glory days, right? And that's all the preacher's saying. You're going to achieve things, and that's good. You enjoy that. You enjoy what you get. You climb high. That's awesome. But in the end, you're going to get out-achieved. You're going to get out. You're going to leave it for someone else, and you're going to be forgotten. And That's hard to think about, but it's true. It's true. And so he gets to the end of our section, just like we had last week, and so he's going to tell us, okay, what and where and how is satisfaction in this toil under the sun found? And you're going to be surprised to hear this being in church, but he's going to tell us that the satisfaction of your life is found in God. It's found in knowing God, believing God, trusting God, following God, obeying God, enjoying the pleasures God has given you. That's where satisfaction is found. Here, this is how he he puts it. There's nothing better for a person than they should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. Enjoy it. Enjoy winning that track race. Enjoy that that meal, right? The non-sinful pleasures. Enjoy them, but in the end, this also, I saw, is from the hand of God, right? That, that we talked about last week. You, 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 the, the, the great thing about those who know God is that you can have that beautiful meal and eat it and go, praise God, 
right? You can have that time with your family instead of it stopping there saying, thank you, God. Satisfaction is in him. He says this, for apart from him who can eat or who can have enjoyment, for to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. You want real lasting wisdom, knowledge, and joy? It comes from God, right? He says, but to the sinner, he's given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. So the sinner can get all kinds of money, all kinds of, uh, uh, of, of lustful pleasures fulfilled, all kinds of adoration, all of it, and in the end, he takes it and he gives it to his people. And it's vanity, it's hebel. And so satisfaction is only in God. People think they're self-made. <laughs> I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Really? Did you breathe, did you create that organic air that you breathed in that whole time? Did you create the brain that you used? The body that you used, right? Like the people that, that helped you along the way, like all of it, it, yeah, you, praise God, you took advantage of what God gave you, but all of it's a gift from God. All of it is because of him. Now a criticism that people say, well, this is why Ecclesiastes shouldn't be in the Bible, one of them, is that throughout it, he only uses one Hebrew word for God. In the Old Testament, the, there's this, this word, whenever you see it translated in English, G-O-D, God, it's Elohim, usually. Elohim is the word. And it could, it's general, it's God the creator, it's God, right, like, so no matter who you are, if you believe in God, it's Elohim, right? But then Moses at the bush, he said, my name is Yahweh, the Lord. So when you see the Old Testament, the Lord, Yahweh, is God, is Elohim. It's not being redundant. It's saying, you want to know who God is? It's the Lord. And so why? So in, in Ecclesiastes, he only uses the word Elohim. And some say it's not even for the Jewish people at all. And I, I'm in the camp that says, no, it's the preacher wants this to go beyond to the ends of the earth. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever your culture, if you want to be satisfied in this life, you have to know Elohim. You have to trust in Elohim. And so then the big question is, okay, we have a lot of definitions for Elohim. Who is he? How do I know this Elohim? Ah, I'm glad you asked. That is why he gave us the Lord, Jesus Christ. You see, the preacher used a word last week. We saw it. all of this, and think about all Solomon did. All of it is wearisome. All of the pleasure, all of the work, achievements and money and wisdom and knowledge, it's wearisome. Do you remember that crusty day, all these people in the midst of it, and Jesus stood up and he said, come, all you who are weary. There were poor people, there were rich people, there were, there were sick people and well people. There was people from all, and they were all weary. And he said, come to me. You will find rest, satisfaction. Not just a nap. You will be satisfied if you come to me. Why? See, the preacher said, I can't have satisfaction in this life because we all end up in the grave. The grave beats everybody. Oh, did it? It didn't, did it? And that's the answer. See, we, Ecclesiastes is a beautiful shadow pointing to what we know and that's the cross. 
It's because the reason everyone has to go to the grave and die is because of our sin. And Jesus paid for our sin in full on the cross. Three days later, what happened? He came out of that grave. And what he did was he conquered sin and death. And so now we have life. I didn't have this for last night. I thought of it in the last song. So consider yourself blessed to wait for the third service, all right? But I, want, I, I didn't want you to just kind of stand here looking at death. I want you to see that in Christ we have life. Satisfaction is found in Elohim, right? To know Elohim is what? Jesus said to Lazarus' sister, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Satisfaction ultimately is found to be in Christ. Some of you wondered how I was going to preach the gospel in Ecclesiastes. Every week we're going to do it. And it's not even hard. Because it all points to we need Elohim. To get to Elohim, you need Jesus. Have you put your trust in Jesus? Or is your trust still in the toil? If I just get enough pleasure, just achieve enough in in career. And the younger you are, the more that mirage is so real. Talk to some older people, man. Right? Been there. (laughs) Not what you think it is. Not what you think it is. So I'm just inviting, if you've never trusted Christ, is to put aside all of the weariness that this under the sun life has and say, Jesus, you've saved me, you've died for me, you've conquered sin and death, you are the way. If, and I know a lot of you have done that. I, I, not right now, because you know, we, we're about to close, but this week sometime, I, I encourage you, sit down in your prayer time and write this down. I will be most satisfied in my life if, and then write a blank, and then say, what is it? Don't say right away, because, I mean, you, if you've been a Christian a long time, I'll be satisfied if, you know, and you'll say the right things that you would say in Sunday school. It's just you and God, man. Be honest. Some of us have things that are good things. They're just not high enough. I'll be most satisfied in my life if my kids are healthy and happy. Good prayer. I pray that. But what if they're healthy and happy in the Lord? I'll be, I'll be satisfied if I achieve this in my career. Nothing wrong with that, but what would it be like if I said, if I achieve this in my career for the glory of God and for the spread of the gospel in hard places and that God uses me in my career, in my position, in, right? That becomes a vision that isn't hebel, but it is eternal and everlasting. But if we're not careful, every day we're drawn towards that hebel and the preacher's just saying, Run to, run to Elohim, run to the Lord, and we know the Lord is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray for specifically right now those who either are online with us or who are with us in this room and they came in here still clutching on to the, to the pleasures of this world or to the achievements of this world. And Oh, Lord, I pray that you will bless us with many achievements. I love celebrating success with the people, especially the young people in our church. I love it, Lord. I love when you use them in mighty and great ways and all kinds of ways. And I pray there's many ahead, but that it will never, ever, ever replace our satisfaction found only in you. And Lord, I pray that you would draw through your spirit the hearts of people who do not yet know Jesus and that they might just lay their yes down right now as I pray. They would just say, Jesus, save me. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are where satisfaction is found. I'm weary, Jesus. I'm weary.
And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who've already done that. They're, they're in Christ, but they're feeling weary because this world is drawing them away. And I pray right now they would just, just give them a breath to breathe and to say, I'm not God, you are. And I know you, and I'm satisfied in you. And so, Lord, help us to be satisfied in, in, in the wives of our youth and the husbands of our youth and the jobs that we have and the kids that we have and the grandkids that we have and the, and the experiences and families that, that we have, that we would be content that you are God and you have us here. They're good gifts from you that our satisfaction would always be found in Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.